Hour 2 of Overdrive on TSN 4, TSN 1050, streaming online. Andy Petrillo in for Brian Hayes, Frankie Corrado in for Jeff O'Neill, and Noodles joining us from Edmonton. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly from Edmonton. We don't know. (laughs) If you're listening, he's just got like a a blank wall of a background. We're still not even quite sure if he's been kidnapped or not, but uh, he's still smiling. behind me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I should have like a green screen or something. He has water and food. He's okay. Yeah, I do. I've got a Gatorade. I've got a Diet Coke. And I I literally, I'm not, do you guys like those hickory sticks or whatever? Like, uh, I haven't had those in a long time. Well, but, I'm yeah. I'm not a big chip person at all. Oh, My chips. wife is. Steph Steph can eat anybody under the table when it mm. comes to chips. And she loves these hickory sticks and I walked by a vending machine downstairs and saw uh, a bag so I grabbed them. So I thought, okay. Is that your way of saying I love you, Steph? No, like you were thinking not at of all. her, and you grabbed them. <laughs> so you don't realize no, it, but subconsciously, you think that's a subliminal message by grabbing a bag of chips when I'm hungry. Yeah, because like, you grab those ones in particular because well, you're like, I, I love my wife. It also depends what chips were passed on. It would yeah, be the like, indicator. Uh, if there were some prime, like if there were some real good quality options and he passed on those for the hickory no. sticks, then I, I'm buying into that a little bit, okay, Andy. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying, Andy, and I, it's, a good, it's a valid point. But it's here's bad. where I'll go. Is when I looked at that vending machine, there was, you know, like... Uh, what it's called, the cheese puffs or whatever, like mm-hmm. the, the Cheetos. But there was a Cheetos, but like it's the the cheese, the puffs ones, not the crunchy ones. Okay. There was a, like a Brand X. Like there wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> Cheeto version. It was like a Brand X. Like we were dealing with some. I don't know how long the, things have been in this vending machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm gonna trust that and trust that. Yeah. And then somebody told me I don't know how long chocolate lasts, but like chocolate can last for years, right? If so, I've got like an Arrow bar or a Hershey bar, like it'd be fine. But I was like, okay, I'll go with the hickory sticks. So yeah. I got mm-hmm. a bag of them. I was chipping away at them. So nice. I, I'm uh, a big yeah. I'm a big hickory sticks fan. When I was a kid, I just and I well, kid. I'll still do these strange things as an adult. But remember, like, so there was Ringolos. I have to put them yeah. on my fingers, and then I'll eat them off my fingers. I don't know what it is. It's just what I need to do with Ringolos because they're round. So I'm like, let me put them on my fingers. Why? Don't ask. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And with hickory sticks, I always start off thinking I can eat one at a time because they're like little matchsticks. Yeah, but yeah. you and can't I, eat one at a time. You can't. By the time I hit halfway That's through a, the bag. That thing's one of those things where you just start gooning them by the handful, and next thing <laughs> you know, it's done, and you need to wash your hands vigorously. <laughs> and they're but shrapnel everywhere. Shrapnel they, everywhere. They, they fall, and it, you can't control when you just grab a handful because they're they're like, you're right, like grabbing sticks everywhere. Like it. <laughs> They're facing all different directions. You're trying to jam them in your mouth. Yeah. Some of them are Actually, breaking off. The, like, it's the terrible. best way to eat one of the one of those bags is just like grab the bag, put it right up, and like basically you're you're drinking the <laughs> yeah, chips. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta hollow it out and yeah. just like pour it in. There yeah. is yeah. no good way, no good way to look good eating those. But we should ask no. Steph I'm how she Steph eats hickory, hickory sticks. sticks. We'll find out. I know yeah. how. I've witnessed it for years. It's in a bowl. Like it's she pours it into a bowl and then just eats it out of the bowl. Right. Because then she can she can line up the sticks. And it's is a there shrapnel move. still with the bowl? No, I don't think so. It's like a cereal bowl. And okay. just pour it into there and yeah. just eat yeah. out of that. So it's like a I, I there's a I guess I guess there's a routine to it. I don't really know. Like I I haven't paid that attention to it, but I I will say like 
there's not shrapnel. Like there's not right. you know, chips mm-hmm. everywhere yeah. or anything like that. They yeah. they all get eaten, put it that way. I can appreciate the ritual in eating things because I have some strange ones, which I have shared over the years on this radio station. Yeah. Uh, Overdrive has a pair of tickets to see the Leafs versus Panthers on March 29th every day this week. We'll provide the clue to the identity of a current or ex-Maple Leafs player, and on Friday we'll have a chance to call in and name that Leaf. Be the first to answer correctly, and you and a friend will be headed to the game. So here's the clue for today to start you off for the week. This former Maple Leaf played for 10 different nhl teams wow 10 okay. different nhl teams daniel went down <laughs> arod right. give me a look arod i, I don't, don't know he just win- like raised his win- eyebrows at me no Winnick didn't play win- for 10 teams yeah maybe brooks lake somebody like that like you brooks know, i think was, was a- two two or three teams i played with him when he was there Ten's a lot. Ten's a lot. How many teams did Marty Biron play for? He played for a few. It was Buffalo. No, I think Marty was New like York. five at, at, at most. Like. Yeah. For Philly, he played with, yeah, the Flyers. Let's bring him in. Joining us now on the Maple Toyota Hotline is Marty Biron. What's up, Marty? What's up, Andy? Long time, no talk. I know. You don't call me anymore. Speaking of, like, eating junk food, Marty was the king <laughs> of junk food in his car because he would make the drive from Buffalo to the yeah. TSN studio. We've we've worked many a playoff nights together, Marty, and I would always look forward yeah. to whatever candy you would just well, pull out of your car. Sometimes the candy was a little mushy, uh, a little stuck together because it was sitting in a very hot car during the drive, but it didn't matter. We all wanted a good sugar fix. So what candy are we eating these days? Well, I don't know. Tonight may be one of those nights. Uh, I'm just about to walk into our studio in Buffalo to do the Sabres-Leaves game from uh, you know pregame and intermission here in Buffalo. And usually when we're in studio, we got pretty good. We sometimes have donuts. Sometimes it's just chocolate bars. The other day, I brought back from Canada a bunch of Canadian chocolate, and there was a huge bin in there. So, yeah, I like to treat my people, Andy, and uh, hopefully uh, they still have some leftovers. What is Canadian chocolate? I'm sorry. What is – I thought the States kind of well, had no, everything like the, we had. The, the Smarties, the Kit Kats, the Coffee Crisp, the Aeros, the oh. Caramel. Like, those are the Canadian chocolate. Even the Kit Kats in the U.S. are different, and we really? don't have the other kinds, right? Hmm. So, yeah, the chocolate is different. I had a long chat with Bruce Boudreaux on trade deadline day because he lives in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I said, I once had a huge blowout fight argument with somebody from Hershey when I said Canadian chocolates are better. And this person wanted to like toe to toe fight me on the fact that American chocolates (laughs) were better because in Hershey, Pennsylvania, it's chocolate factory. So Bruce Boudreaux actually said it's the milk. They use different milk, I guess, and it makes Canadian chocolates better. Wow. Oh, Interesting. Cows I like are it. better than your <laughs> cows. Marty, what's the outlook for the Sabres right now? They've fallen back a little bit. And if you go back a couple weeks, out of all those teams that were in the playoff picture on the outside looking in, they would have been up there with the favorites. They had the best goal differential. They were playing some pretty good hockey. Now they've fallen back quite a bit. What's everyone kind of feeling there in Buffalo? Well, I think the injuries have hurt the Sabres a little bit, and they were pretty much healthy all season, uh, apart from losing Matthias Samuelson early in the year, and that led to an eight-game losing streak. Uh, Matthias Samuelson now is week-to-week. Eric Comrie is week-to-week. Uh, Ressus Dahlin is expected to go tonight, but yesterday they said he'd be day-to-day. 
Alex Stuck, I would expect, will go tonight. Uh, but he was week to week and missed eight games. And the Sabres were 2 5 and, and 1 in those eight games. So I think that Alex Stuck, uh, in his absence, was, was really hard. So last week was a tough week, right? They played a really good game against the Oilers on Monday and lost because Stuart Skinner was really good. And then they go into Long Island and lose that one on a distant kicking motion. Don't get me started. And Noodles, I hope you saw it. And I, <laughs> I hope did. you can comment on it. But it was like Hudson Fashing kicking the puck in, and it went off his shin pad. Uh, and then they got spanked by Dallas, and obviously they lost in OT to the Rangers. So this last week was tough. But if they can, you know, they, they have four games this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. If they can go 3-1, and one, I think they find themselves back in the, uh, in the picture here. So... Marty, when you look at this team, I mean, they're playing meaningful minutes right now. I kind of look at it uh, same as the Ottawa Senators. You know, they've got some good young players that are coming. Uh, I love Buffalo's defensive core as far as that top four. They're, what, 23 and under. Pretty impressive. Um, yeah. What do they need to add to get to that next level? Or, you know, as I will ask them, and I know it's UPL, but it's, what is it, Upaluka? Like I just butcher his name all the time, and I'm having fun with it. But do you see him as a guy that is the kind of future in net for them? Are they are they kind of sorted in every position moving forward? Are they going to need to add a little bit more to get to that next level? So I could see them adding a piece up front at some point, but that would come with uh, subtracting a couple of pieces, right? So. A couple right. of candidates for trades in the offseason and maybe next year would be like Casey Middlestad and Victor Olofsson because, look, you've got a lot of prospects, forward prospects, that are going to come through. Matt Savoy, right? Great Canadian junior player in Winnipeg. At some point, he'll need a spot. You have a kid named Yuri Kulik in Rochester. The guy's a stud, um, but he's only 19 years old. I think he just turned 20. Um, so they're going to need to open a couple of spots up front, and I, I'd like them to add... Uh, maybe a veteran piece up front as well. Obviously, like, I always throw Patrick Kane's name out there just because Kaner is from Buffalo and he'll be a UFA this summer. So maybe, maybe that's the avenue they want to go. On defense, Noodle, just like you said, I love their top four. Um, I think with Dallin and Power, they're set for a long, long time. So yeah. it's just about managing their depth. Now, goaltending to me is, is a big question mark. Lukanen's still young, still just 23 years old, and he's had to battle a lot of injuries of late, so he doesn't have the, the minutes, and he's getting it this year. So that's good. I'm, I'm still not sure. The jury's still out on Lukanen if he's going to be a number one goaltender in the NHL or just a backup, a journeyman, which is, is fine. I mean, you're top 64 goalies in the league. That's fine, but I, journey's still out. Eric Comrie, unfortunately, has been hurt a lot this year, and he's week-to-week now still, so that's going to affect it. But the wild card, the wild card is Devin Levi, right? Northeastern lost this weekend. They're most likely not going to be in the uh, NCAA hockey tournament. I would anticipate Levi to sign at some point and maybe play some games in Buffalo this year or sign a tryout and play in Rochester to finish the season there and the playoffs. But... I think Levi is coming out of college this year, and maybe that's your guy of the future. So maybe you don't want to rush to make a trade or sign a free agent because you've got somebody in-house. 
Marty Baron joining us here on Overdrive. Speaking of goaltending, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go once again with Matt Murray. Keeps saying he wants him to get minutes and wants to also just continue to rest Samsonov, who went on quite a run with Murray being out. When it comes to question marks around the Toronto Maple Leafs, is that still a big one for you heading into the playoffs? Is just the goaltending position? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you ask me who's going to start game one of the playoffs, for me the answer is easy. It's Ilya Samsonov or Samsonov. I don't know if they change it back or not, the way they pronounce the last name, but I would pick him. Samsonov, for me, would be the guy. Now, I get that Murray uh, needs to play a little bit, and, and they have the luxury of being able to rest some guys or manage minutes or manage starts in games when it comes to their goaltenders. Uh, and Murray, listen, against the Oilers, played well. Um, yeah, it's four goals on, what, 26 or 28 shots, so it's not 900 save percentage, but I felt like there was a lot of good scoring chances, and he was, he was good. So this is a good step forward and saying let's keep Murray in. Let's see if he can build some momentum, if he can play some catch-up a little bit because he missed so much this year. But the guy has got to be Samsonov, and, and if he's healthy – and if he's rested, I think he gives the Leafs the best chance to go on a run and win at least one, maybe two, maybe even more in the playoffs. Marty, how hard would it be going into a playoff series knowing that it is going to be a tandem and at some point both goalies will be expected to play, whether it's from the coach's point of view or the player's point of view? Because, you know, it's traditional that one guy gets hot, he gets on a roll. It's like it's that guy's net. But now if you know you're going in with a tandem, you know at some point someone's getting in. So how long is that leash? When do you make that decision? Do you make it too early? Do you make it too late? And then, you know, you're kind of screwed that way. How does like how much thought goes into that? Well, I don't like going into the playoffs with a tandem. I get that over the last few years we've had teams that have used both goaltenders by necessity, because of injuries. Even last year, Colorado, right? Kemper got hurt, missed a few games, came back. Like, it's rare that we see the same goaltender win 16 straight. Like, Vasilevsky's done it a couple of years in a row, fine. But, you know, before that, there was always, like, even the Washington Capitals. It wasn't Braden Holby the whole way. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh and, and have done the same thing with Murray and Flurry and Jeff Zadkoff, if you remember that one, yeah. the first cup in back-to-back yep. years, it was Jeff Zadkoff that started. But that's a, if it's a necessity. I don't like a team that's in, well, we have a good tandem going into the playoffs. Then you're not in the right position because I can tell you this, in the Eastern Conference, it's Lena Solmark, it's Andre Veseleski, it's Igor Shosturkin, it's Vitek Vanacek, um, Sorokin. You know, it's Freddie Anderson, but yes, yeah, Sorokin, it's Jari. They all know who their goalies are going to be. You don't want to go in saying, we have a good tandem. I, I don't think it works in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that also when you look at it, it bodes well for the confidence of the group if you trust one guy. Because sometimes, yeah. I've heard this saying before, if you, if you have two number ones, you actually don't have a true number one because you're all, if a guy falters, you're always going, well, you should have gone with the other guy. And that's in any sport, a quarterback, you, you name it, goaltending, pitching. So I, I feel like if, if somebody separates himself, that has to be the, your guy heading in, and you sink or swim with them. Uh, Marty, I was going to ask about Tage Thompson. If, if Buffalo somehow squeaks their way into the playoffs, would you have him up in that heart? Con- I mean, it's basically a, a, a fight for 
second for the heart this year, whoever, because McDavid's getting it. But would you have Thompson in a conversation for it at least? Um, yeah, it depends how many goals back of Connor McDavid he is, right? I mean, yeah. if Connor McDavid lights it up and ends up at 65, and now all of a sudden Thompson gets to 51, you're like, wow, that's 14 goals difference. I would think David Pasternak, for me, is in that conversation, right, just because of the impact, even though the Bruins are you know, going out there shattering records and whatnot, but I think that Pasternak's impact for that team has been fantastic. You probably can put Lena Solmark in there uh, because – as it is right now, he's the only goaltender that has a goals against average below two. Uh, and one of only two goaltenders that have a safe percentage over 930. The other one is Philip Gustafson. And yesterday, they giving up five goals to Arizona. It didn't help. But I, I think you've got McDavid. You've got Pasenak. You've got uh, Allmark. You probably have, you know, Carlson in the conversation. I mean, San Jose is so far back. But... He's putting up numbers like we haven't seen from the back end, so I, I don't know that you put him in the heart. Thompson, I think you have to give him consideration, um, but it also depends what the numbers will say at the end of the year. Now, he's been able to score without tucking the lineup. Uh, I think he has three goals in the last eight games, all without Alex Tuck. Uh, Jack Quinn was good on that line, and then Jordan Greedway played a little bit with them, but I think... Sage Thompson with Alex Suck and Skinner can get on a roll here. And if Thompson was to finish with 55, let's see, then you have to put him in a conversation. Uh, I've been asking an overarching question here since the start of the show, and why don't we dig into it now since we're talking hard? And it has more to do with Mitch Marner, who's you know once again having a strong season, Marty, uh, coming off a great game on Saturday as well. Yeah. Is this a player who in the future – I mean, I don't know where you see him even maybe this year, but in the future, is he part of a heart conversation? Is this guy uh, part of a Selkie conversation? Do you see any one of those awards in his future? Oh, Selkie for sure. Uh, heart, I had him at my midway point this year as number two on my heart. Like, I don't get a vote, but, you know, you do your own voting internally and you write it down. And I had Mitch Marner uh, up there second behind Connor McDavid. Uh, now, I think that... The numbers with some of the other players are going to be so impressive that you won't be able to look away. And maybe that's why Mitch Marner won't get uh, a top three heart uh, finalist by the end of it. But his overall game, you know, when it comes to five-on-five play, penalty killing, power play, his ability to control the pace, of games and and people say well yeah but he's a, he's just a winger well you know what there's not a lot of wingers out there that control pace of game that push the you know the boundaries of of what you can do and Mitch Marner does it so um, yeah I would definitely say in due time he will be uh, in the hard conversation. He may be, like, top five this year, but I don't put him top three. I, I would think Selkie right away, Marty, because oh, yeah. to be in the heart, first of all, you need to score a little more than Mitch Marner does. Like, the guys that yeah. are winning the heart, like Matthew scored 60 last year. McDavid's going to probably score 60 this year. And then the other thing, it's McDavid's not going anywhere anytime soon. Dreisaitl, Kucherov, these kind of guys that are, you know, heart kind of quality guys, they're still there. But the guys that win the Selkie regularly, like if it's Kopitar or Bergeron, 
they have game or Bergeron, left, but they're but or they're Bergeron, right? But, or Bergeron, yeah. but they're they're on the back end. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, Bergeron, same like Lidstrom used to win the Norris yeah. every single year, right? But those guys yeah. are are on the back nine. So for Mitch Marner, yes, he's a winger, but man, is he hard to play against? He plays in all situations and. Like his defensive awareness in his game probably lends itself to winning a Selkie before it does a heart. What makes a absolutely I'm hundred uh, percent concur with all of that. And what makes Mitch Marner so dominant in all aspects of the game is his instincts, right? And when you talk about you know Bergeron or Kopitar, their instincts are great. But I remember when. Man, the Bob Gainey of this world and Yuri Lettinen and, and Michael Pekka and the Guy Carboneau, those guys were winning Selkie trophies just because they were good defensively. And that's all yeah. they did, right? Mitch Marner is today's new generation of player that will win the Selkie and still put up amazing numbers and just dominate in all three zones. It's not just about... Well, this guy blocks shots, and look look at how well he cleared the zone off the glass and out, and how good he plays defense, <laughs> no. right? It's not, this is not Mitch Marner, but yeah, I would say Selkie this year, definitely. All right, Marty, yeah. it's been great talking to you. Enjoy those treats. Have a good call tonight. Absolutely, thanks. Good talking to all three of you guys. <laughs> there you go. That is Marty Bernron joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota and check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. And I'm sure you guys have been you know, given the love, I mean, rightfully so, to give it to Mitch Marner. But even Austin Matthews, every year he's been in the NHL now, 30 goals. Yeah. He's now, I mean, among American-born players... And maybe you're already having this conversation. Like, is he already the greatest? There's a, there's a lot. I mean, I know everyone's going to go, Patrick Kane, right away. Like, kind of hold your horses, right? Like, I, I know that there are so many great players from, you know, the States. But he's, so seven consecutive 30-goal seasons for Austin Matthews. He's one behind Pat Lafontaine, who, as American-born player, had eight. I mean, I don't right. see why we would have any reason to believe why this wouldn't happen, even for Austin Matthews, you know, moving forward. It's just so incredible. Well, but. it likely it likely will happen. It's just hard to leapfrog Patrick Kane and everything that he's done at this point in right. his career. And at some How point... How many uh, Stanley Cups does he have again? Because my theme is trophies this, uh, free, this show, apparently. Free, Andy, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it's hard to just leapfrog, but with the progression and the way he's obviously built his career, you would think yeah. we will get to the point in a few years where... We can say Austin Matthews is the greatest American-born player, but you hate to be the best player that never won, right? Like, for the longest time in golf, it was Phil Mickelson who was the best player to never win a major, and then the attention turned to Sergio, best golfer to never win a major, and you don't want to be that hockey player, right? Like, son- but that's why I said that about Connor McDavid earlier. Like, right. that's what and, kind and of breaks he, my heart a little he bit He falls when we talk into about that him. same category as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, that's, that's true. But trophies, like... They it took Alex Ovechkin how long to win? Like yeah. it was what thirteen years? Like it takes time, you know, for for guys to break through. It's how you're surrounded, your your situations. It's luck, it's health, all of those sure. types of things. But I would argue, you know, Matthews is on that trajectory. Like Jerome McGinley, I think is one of the greatest players who ever played the game. Never won a Stanley Cup. Now he did win gold medals. That's right. on yeah. biggest stages. You know that that's where I, I I go back to. Yes, winning as a team matters. Yeah. But, you know, there are guys who have three Stanley Cups who are fourth liners. Well, they, you and, know, that's, 
you could still be a Hall of Famer, right? Like Matt Sundin didn't win any, and it didn't win a Stanley Cup. There's there's players that have not won Stanley Cups, but they've had incredible careers, and they're right. regarded as the best in their country or Hall of Famers and all that stuff. And Austin Matthews will eventually be that. Yeah. yeah. Listen, their careers are far from over, so there's still plenty of time to do what yeah. I know. What Gord Miller likes to say, Alexander Ovechkin apparently went to Canadian Tire and bought uh, the cement, the legacy cement in aisle three, and cemented <laughs> his legacy, however many years into Love his it. career. Yeah. So maybe those guys can do that too. Uh, Luke Wilson's going to be joining us, our TSN NFL analyst. Have you guys been watching by any chance his new show that he's on, The Ultimate Challenge, where he's the coach and he's got to avoid elimination? I've and seen stuff? some clips. I've seen clips online. I haven't been able to catch it on television, but he's good, man. Like he pulled out right. the old NFL kind of yes, he did playbook the other day. He was giving them some tough love. It was nice to see our pal out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm more concerned. Like, he cut a salad. I just want to know yeah. how it went down in that transaction. And oh, what I know the, the story. Process was you know the that. story, Andy? Okay. Oh, okay. I've had a chance to speak to Luke after the fact. I'll have him share the story. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's it, just say it. it was unexpected. It, he really? did not go in thinking it was going to happen. Oh, so no. I will have him share that story. Luke Wilson's going to be joining us next on Overdrive. Don't go anywhere. By the way, Noodles, um, are you at least happy that I didn't call ahead knowing I was hosting today and had all pure Euro beats to like lead us into every segment because I knew that would have just sent you into an absolute conniption Yeah, if it was like oh. Stevie B or Joey just one after another well listen I'm sure that JP can find a couple tunes for the rest of the day we'll you, get you have my blessing dark. You have my blessing to maybe start okay. the 6 o'clock hour with something not ridiculous, but something that's more mainstream <laughs> that people will enjoy. That That's fair. I Frankie mean, knows always... all the tunes. Yeah, well, we did yeah. that once. I think it was you, myself, and Ro we did a show, and we just had all the Geno beats coming back from break. We did. Yeah, and yeah, you, we, we did a show together <laughs> maybe a, like around a year ago. Us three did a show together. It was my first time doing Overdrive, and it was us three. Good times. Fair enough. Yeah, let's do it. Speaking okay, so yeah. yeah, Andy, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Oh, like, have JP pull something up for you in the we'll call the six o'clock hour, and then you can go crazy we'll, for the breaks. We'll have it. Andy's got. I mean, Andy's going to come with the heat for sure. Speaking of salad, like we're going to have Luke Wilson on here. Did mm. you guys see this tweet? I I tagged you guys in a in a tweet <laughs> a poll. And someone tweeted back just a, a, it looks like a soccer coach with some crazy salad. Joe from the bridge just is. put it up. I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's a bad <laughs> angle. Like, is this salad, like, attached to the back of his head type I of thing? Know, and, like, man. combing it forward straight up? Like, no. it doesn't look real. There's no. some That's editing. There's That's gotta editing? be some editing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's real. Who is that? Like, Do I, we know who that is? I'm drawing a blank. No idea. I don't like even recognize me, the team name or anything. It's got to be some guy in Europe. You know that's a yeah. <laughs> some guy from Slovakia or something. <laughs> that, <laughs> Division three, and he's gritty. And you know, like, there's a story to this guy for sure. Like, oh. he's legendary. What's Who's the guy? Is it the German coach that sniffs his armpit and sniffs a bunch of other spots? Is that his name? Yeah. That guy. <laughs> That guy hasn't resurfaced anytime soon. He does the scratch and sniff with the best of them. 
Like he does, guy, and he knows it, and he's unapologetic about it. That's has he, just has like, he been like taught? Like, has he spoken about it? Has, yeah. has he been asked? And he just yeah. said, "I don't care. I will smell he, and and sniff whatever I want." But I guess it's a, it's a nervous tick. So for oh, okay. him, I don't even know if he's even realizing that he's doing it right. Where he just like scratches his pit or like sticks his hand down his pants, and the next thing you know, he just like wafts it underneath his nostrils. Yeah. And it's like, a big, what are I you think. doing? <laughs> he, like, he'll have his, both of his hands in his armpits, and then he'll pull them out and just take a huge drag on them. Like, just like the longest sniff you've ever seen. How about like when, he, he, when he does the double sniff? He, like, it, he takes it away, and then he brings it back. He's like, oh, what was that again? It's like <laughs> double, a, it's no. a double take. No. no. This is so it's wrong on so it's many levels. Good. But, yes, is. that is that is who does it, and he doesn't care. And I guess yeah. sometimes when it's a nervous tick, too, you have to work that much harder to, like, not do it. And he's probably thinking, I don't care. It's the tick that I have. You want to put a camera on me. Who cares? That's how I get through a match. I don't know if Luke had yeah. one or if he can share one that a teammate let's find had. Out. Let's find um, out. Because, yeah, let's bring in Luke Wilson, our TSN NFL analyst. How you doing, Luke? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know if I could be doing any better. <laughs> <laughs> What's going okay, on, did... buddy? What's happening? Where are you at these I'm days? Just, I'm out here. I'm in, in Manhattan Beach right now. I just got out of a little late lunch. You know, I mean, life is good over here. It is a little... You know, it's 67 degrees Fahrenheit right now, so not typical L.A. weather, but I've heard Toronto is a little chilly these days. Luke, do not rub it in any of our faces. By the way, did you cycle today? I did, and I've got another uh, two-hour ride coming up right after this conversation, so I'm pretty excited about that as well. You know Luke's trying to get to the Paris Olympics, right? He's getting there. Believe me, if we have to sponsor him ourselves, he's going. We're sending him. (laughs) I appreciate that. that. All right. I got one question. I don't think we've spoken. Andy, we we, we brought it up uh, before you were on, but there's a story behind you cutting your salad. Like, what, what happened? Like, what, you know, did you make a decision? Was it a conscious decision? Because... You know, you and I were texting. I thought it looked great. You looked a little bit like Rod Stewart for a second there, but it was like more like what what happened? Like, tell me. The listeners need to know. Okay, so uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be super blunt here. You know, I, I'm down here in Los Angeles, and one of my closest friends who also grew up in LaSalle, Ontario. Him and his wife lived down here, and he was telling me he's like, "Hey, man, next time you go get your haircut, you got to go to see this guy. This guy in West Hollywood." I'm like, all right, he's like, this guy's like the Picasso of cutting hair. He's unbelievable. So I'm like, oh, this sounds like kind of a cool vibe, you know? So I was actually heading back to Toronto um, for the premiere of the, of the one show there, and I'm like, you know what? I could, use a, I could use a trim right now. It's getting like, I like it out of control, but I could use a little bit of a trim. So I stroll into this place, and, like, the feng shui in here was second to none. I'm talking, like, black-painted walls, like, skull and bone style stuff on the wall. I'm like, whoa, where am I? That kind of energy. And the dude was like, yo, man, I got this sick vision for you. So I'm like, screw it. Let it ride. Let it ride. Next thing you know, he kept saying, I think I got to go a little shorter. And I'm like, bro, I'm not Picasso. You are. You do it. And then I ended up looking like, as you said, Rod Stewart. But to be honest with you, I was pretty amped, I was pretty amped about it. Dude. And when you wow. said that, I didn't, I'm not a diehard Rod Stewart fan, but I did feel like, that was a very accurate description. I did like the Bono circuit circa nineteen eighties as well. And it got me amped up. Because it's short so I can control it now, but it's still like fun, you know? 
It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It just caught me off guard. And as you know, Jay Onright likes to surprise people, and he surprised me at the end of the show. That's why it kind of caught me off guard. But I just needed to know there was a bat. Like, you just walked in there and was like, you didn't say take it off. You just said do what you want, and that's what you came out with. I mean, yeah. I, I, I know it sounds like a little absurd, but, I mean, the vibe was right. And he was like, I've got a vision, and I was told this man is Picasso of cutting hair. So, so I'm dangerous, like, I'm not going to tell Picasso what to do. <laughs> when someone, I, I, says, you know, when someone not... says to you they got a vision, just hold on and let them cook. Man, we've yeah. seen how that went this year. <laughs> and i got to go shorter. i got to shorter. You sure? We're going shorter here. I don't know if you panicked at any point, though, Luke. I mean, my hair is my crown and glory. If it started to go shorter, shorter, and I'm just seeing it fall on the ground, I would have a panic attack. You know, there was a moment where I'm like, we're going there. But then there was also like, I don't know, when someone does something with such supreme confidence, I'm like, this guy is legitimately cooking right this now. This guy like, was Al's brother it. of cutting hair, Luke Wilson. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, we haven't spoken to you in a while, and it seems like there's so much football news, especially today. But why don't we just go back a little further and, and talk about Lamar Jackson? Like, it's been well-documented what's going on here. Like, for you, is this the owners trying to reset the quarterback market? I don't think so. I, I think the Lamar situation is, is very, very, you know, unique to just itself. And, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of different things at play here. You know, and, and I definitely side with the pay Lamar team. That, that's the side I want. I want to be very clear before I go into this. But – I was I had a cup of coffee in Baltimore last year. It didn't last very long. I, I try to erase that memory for me. But I was in the building for five or six weeks. And I would say from a locker room standpoint, I can promise you that every guy in that locker room loves Lamar. So that's something I don't maybe think the Ravens are taking into effect. However, if you look at what they've done in the past for success, and what I mean by that, we're going to go back a few years, but – you look at when they won the Super Bowl, I, I want to say it might have been 2011, if that sounds right, somewhere in that time frame. Joe Flacco was a quarterback, and, and Joe was a good NFL quarterback. I'm not saying he wasn't a, a very good NFL quarterback, but he was not at the time. I mean, maybe his contract was very high, but he was not like a guy that you talk about, like a John Elway, you know? They kind of have this identity, like when you think of that Ravens team, I think of Ray Lewis, I think of Ed Reed, and and I think that they're kind of leaning that way as an organization. You know, you look at how big these quarterbacks' contracts are becoming and what Lamar deserves, and I think it's a question of, like, their philosophy in Baltimore. Do they want to pay a quarterback, regardless of who it is, a crazy amount of money and then not be able to have, you know, certain guys in their defense that they'd like to have? You know, they went out and got Roquan Smith, at the trade deadline this year from the Bears, and clearly that worked out. This man was an absolute freak for them this year. And I think that's partially where the Ravens come from, is that they're just a very defensive, first-minded front office and coaching staff. But now, the flip side of that, and like I said, this is the camp that I land in, with the rules of the NFL right now and how things are trending, you need to be able to score points. Like, the days of having these defenses like the 85 Bears are, are, are slim 
slimming down. I'm not saying it's not possible. I would say, again, I'm biased, but our 2013 Legion of Boom in Seattle was up there. A couple years later when Denver won it, their defense was obviously extremely, extremely good. You know, But you kind of look at this year's Super Bowl, and I was guilty of this you know, doing the analysis before the game. I was like, man, this Eagles team – has got almost as many sacks as the 85 Bears. Like, blah, 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 this Eagles, this Eagles defense is sick. Certainly didn't look sick in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that, the guy absolutely shredded. And, and my point of this is, like, I sit here and I think that Baltimore's got to realize that they're handcuffed. And meaning, like, it's not, okay, we can get someone else and we can load up this defense. There's no one else. Like, we're seeing this time and time again. When you get a guy like Lamar Jackson who can really do it all, you need to pay him because the idea that you can just find another Lamar Jackson or you can find even a Lamar is better than this, but an extremely above average quarterback in this league is very, very hard to do, you know? And and then the next point is even if you get a guy, even if you get a guy that has had success, let's look at my guy Russell this year in Denver. It's not always apples to apples. So now all of a sudden you get a quarterback to replace Lamar, you bring him in, and there's going to be a new OC there. It's a very different vibe. Owings Mills, Maryland, is a very different place. It's not apples to apples. So I really think that Baltimore is kind of handcuffed. I get that they might want to like go defensive or whatever, but you look at Lamar, he's incredibly well-loved in the locker room. Guy's a dynamic playmaker. He's underrated throwing the ball. I don't understand why they would not want such a talent leading their team. Luke, you got Rodgers to the Jets, Jimmy G to the Raiders. I mean, even the Bears trade the first overall pick to the Panthers. Like, what moves do you like the best? You know, I think that the the Bears are absolutely cooking right now. Um, I, I love the trade for them. And, you know, to me, this is somewhat of a make-or-break year for Fields. The Bears certainly looked horrible beginning of the year. They certainly looked a lot better towards the end of the year. And now all of a sudden, you know, you got the Canadian cat there and Claypool, who hopefully will be kind of their big body guy. DJ Moore out of Carolina, who they just traded for, is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. And you look at what he's been able to do with really no quarterback or no stable quarterback in Carolina. Like, I'm telling you, this guy is very well respected across the league as far as his talent goes. So now all of a sudden you've got a couple high picks and you traded the first one. You've got Fields, who's another guy that can use his legs, and we need to see him kind of develop throwing the ball. But offensively this team should be loaded as far as weapons go, and they've had a very, very good run game um, with two backs that can really tote the pill. So to me, like that, that team is, you know, I'm not saying they're Super Bowl ready by any means, but they should be a lot better and when you have a run game as dynamic as that, and now all of a sudden you have guys who can really catch the ball, if Fields can develop in his throwing game, they're going to be very, very tough to stop. Luke, help me understand. You, you mentioned DJ Moore. Help me understand this from a Carolina Panthers point of view. So you want to get the first overall pick because you need a quarterback, but now you essentially traded your star receiver, a position you were already pretty thin at, so what's this quarterback who's going to come in? What's he supposed to do now? How is that going to make this team any better? I mean, Frankie, you got me there, man. <laughs> I have no idea. Right? I have no idea. What are we talking and, about? 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I mean, and I get that, like, they played better after they traded CMC, but it's kind of like the same point where I'm like, you know, you just traded away Christian McCaffrey. We saw what he did in San Francisco this year, or as I call them, Santa Clara 49ers. And it's like, now you're going to take your next guy who hasn't even had, like I said, a stable quarterback to really develop like that kind of chemistry and the minute details that go into those types of relationships. And it's still balling. You're going to let him walk. And kind of going back to the Lamar point where it's like, it's not easy to be a quarterback in this league. And every there's guys that are obviously in the top five there that everyone thinks are going to be good. But there's still kind of question marks about both of them. It's going to be a very tough situation, you know. It's going to be a very, very tough situation. And the next thing I'll say, which I, I kind of thought was a bit strange, is no quarterback post Cam Newton has been able to really have success in Carolina. You know, and, and to me, maybe that's on the players, but as a former player, a lot of that is on the situation. You know, I, I look at and I, you know, I got to drag the Detroit Lions while I'm on here. Of course, I look at Detroit. <laughs> yeah, when I was growing up, you know, I was a diehard Lions fan growing up, and it was like we seemed to never be able to develop draft picks. And, and I'm talking about the only guy that really had some success there in my mind was like when I was a kid was like Roy Williams. Now down the road, obviously Calvin and Matt Stafford, but before that era. It was like, oh, we got a first-round running back. And then it was like, oh, we got a first-round linebacker. Of course, before that, it was Joey Harrington. And you kind of wonder, like, well, how come none of these guys really panned out? And if you don't have, like, a support system and a very, very good coaching staff from top to bottom, not just a head coach, but your quarterback coach, your offensive coordinator, who's got a very good feel for players and situations and developing these styles, you know, rookie young players, it really don't matter how good you are <laughs> because it's the NFL. Like, you need, at that age and that level, you need coaches. This isn't, and, and again, it's good and bad, but like I always say this, it's not basketball, it's not hockey where it's like there's no fluidity to this game. You get a play call from a coach and you're hoping that that play call is in an, a, puts you in a good situation to succeed and then you go out there and execute it. Okay, you know, so and if you're not prepared, you're you get screwed. And so I do get very very worried for whoever gets drafted by by the Panthers. Okay, so you're you're talking about coaches. So who helps their team more? Jalen Ramsey, and I know it's different positions, but Jalen Ramsey under Vic Fangio or is it Jimmy Garoppolo under McDaniels? That's a, you're coming with some fire questions. Yeah, um, really. To me, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to have to go with Ramsey and Fangio. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I have, this is going to get a little, little football technical here, boys. Hang on, hang on for this one. But Fangio to me has, has been an incredible coach in a lot of ways, but he's also really um, left a mark in some places that have not maybe been great. And what I mean by that is from his coaching tree, so Fangio, in his style, has been very, very unique. And if you look at it, there's been a ton of teams that have adopted, you know, his general principles of playing defense because I've never was coached by Fangio, but the rumor is that he's just like an absolute defensive genius. 
you know, even Seattle, there's a new coverage that's really getting a lot of popularity in the NFL called Cover 8. And, and this is really a, a Vic Fangio-style ball. But a lot of this Cover 8, there's some holes in it, which he was able to mask with a very good D-line, specifically back in the day this Ram style used to play it. was Aaron, he, Aaron Donald was like the key to making this whole thing work. I, I know it sounds weird because I'm talking about coverages, but it was like Aaron Donald could do so much that it would free up other positions, if that makes sense. So now all of a sudden, Fangio, who's got this like great defensive guru mind, and you've got a guy who's as talented as Ramsey, you'll be able to really shape that and be like, okay, we can leave Jalen on an island and do other things that are very, very creative. Where I look at like a Jimmy G, and he's a good quarterback, but he's not an elite talent like Jalen Ramsey is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like it. Luke? Love it. Uh, enjoy the rest of NFL free agency. Appreciate taking the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. There you go. That is Luke Wilson, TSN NFL analyst, who's going to hop on that bike and do some more cycling. He's and the Frankie, best. What a beast. Yeah. You, you, had, you had a lot of football questions. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've said this before, right? Like I know you guys share with your listeners and viewers that we have our own little chat. And we let yeah. each other know when the other one wants to. It was just one thumb up after another from Frankie. He's like, move out the way. <laughs> yeah, it's all this right. This is a one-on-one with me and Luke. Wait till, wait till Zucchino comes on. Yeah, I don't, you could I, have Zucchino. Like, you could do all the golf talk. That's great. And you were little Jerry King here, which was fine, too. It was not a problem. But, like, like Luke, you were stumping Luke, which was great. I mean, those were great too. questions. Yeah. But, uh, oh, listen, I'm you. just here for the ride on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we do have more. We have literally a two-second segment coming up because Frankie did the epic sit-down interview yeah. with Luke. But we do have Zucchino and Chris Johnson as well, still to come on Overdrive. Enjoy this music while you can because we got Noodles Blessing to be playing the Eurobeats in the final hour of Overdrive. Oh, yeah. Heads up. Heads up. Okay, so how many... Andy Frankie are very excited. How many songs... So you're going to come in at the 6 o'clock hour, so I get to... I'd like to choose a song as well. Like maybe I could get one at 6.30 or something like that. I like that. Do you know which Euro ones to pick? Well, well you can pick no anything. Euro. No, like, you can you can pick whatever that you Euro want. Trash. I I I said you can you can do what you want. I would like to do what I want. Like that's the Wait, thing. You think like, this is I'll your post, show or something? I'll just say like no, but maybe you have your show. You have your song. Frankie can have a song, and maybe I'll throw like I don't know. Oh, let's do that. Let's, be fun. We got we got three times we come in from break. Let's do that. Everyone gets a song for the six o'clock hour. <laughs> Those were not the rules about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> all right, Andy, you can have mine. Let's all Andy at 6 okay, o'clock. It's Andy's show today. Yeah, for the last Anyways. hour, for sure. You're listening to the Andy Patrillo show. Anyways, <laughs> this is why I like when Noodles is, when, I, when we're on with Noodles, because the other guys can be very protective of their show. I can understand. Noodles is very nice to the guests, because, yes, Andy oh, Patrillo filling in for Brian Hayes, uh, Frankie Carrado, Jamie McLennan. Uh, hour three, final hour of the show is coming up on TSN2. Stay with us.